Welcome to Preston's Super Show. News, sports, and a whole lot more. It's the Super Show, baby. Warning. This show contains material that is only suited for patriotic audiences and people who have a backbone. If you like God, guns, and glory, you're listening to the right show. Sit back or carry on and enjoy Preston's Super Show. Welcome to Preston Super Show, UFC 269, Charles Oliveira versus Dustin Poirier, and it's going to be a 14-fight card, huge card, um, one of the biggest of the year, and the first fight on the prelims we're starting with is Jillian Robertson versus Priscilla Cochera. And you know, on this show, I like to give you my precise pick and I'll also throw out my best bet for the night. You know, think of this as your guide into UFC 269, Oliviera versus Poirier. So Jillian uh, Robertson uh, is 9-6 and six in her career. Priscilla is 10-3. Uh, and three. They both are averaging uh, 9 minutes of fight time plus. Uh, the size is about the same. This is a 125-pound fight at woman, the women's flyweight division. And these are both two orthodox fighters. Um, this is going to be a pretty even fight. Uh, Robertson is on a two-fight losing streak. Um, you really, This is a sport in the UFC where I can tell you certainly... It, you never want to lose, but you don't want to lose three in a row in the UFC. Um, that has not been going well. Um, so for Priscilla, she's uh, on a two-fight win streak. Uh, first Dobson and then versus uh, Gina Mazzani. And uh, I could tell you Robertson is... Uh, a little bit more accurate, but she throws a little less. Priscilla throws more strikes. 3.81 uh, strikes landed per minute. Um, but Priscilla takes a lot, you know, has taken a lot of shots uh, in these fights. She takes about seven strikes per minute. So this is a fight Robertson can open up uh, her wheelhouse if she chooses to. Robertson averages 2.54 takedowns per 15 minutes. Um... And she has a 47% takedown accuracy. Um, she's averaging a little bit less than one submission attempt uh, in a 15-minute fight. And Priscilla's not much of a grappler, but she does have uh, 63% takedown defense. Um, she gets into trouble with wrestlers. Uh, but I feel like she lives up to her nickname, Zombie Girl. Um, this is one of those fights that's going to be really close. Uh, to start the card off, I'm going to roll with Jillian Robertson, the Canadian. 
you know, I just don't see her losing three in a row in UFC. They're kind of giving her this fight. Priscilla's taking this fight. And, you know, and she missed weight by three pounds. I'm surprised they're letting the fight even go on. You know, a little bit of me is surprised. But regardless, if you're taking seven strikes per minute, um, even Jillian Robertson, she has a low output, but Priscilla's not putting up much of defense and she doesn't want to grapple with you. And I think Jillian Robertson just has to survive early to win this fight because, you know, I believe my precise pick will be Robertson by decision victory could be unanimous, could be majority decision. Doesn't matter just by decision. And ultimately I think everybody's kind of overlooking her, even though she's the big, you know, favorite here. Um, because I don't think a lot of people have caught up with the fact that Priscilla must weight so badly. Like three pounds is, is ridiculous. Um, so that really tips the scales. Uh, and she is the bigger fighter, but I think that she's going to tie her out. And Robertson is, is tough. She's a gritty fighter anyways. So she's going to hang around in this one. I don't see her getting put out. Um, so that is the way I see that uh, fight going. Robertson by decision is my precise pick. The next fight we'll get into is Tony Kelly versus Randy Costa. Tony Kelly, nicknamed Primetime, and he really is that. And then uh, Randy Costa, the Zohan, and, you know, doesn't get much cooler than that for a nickname. So these two guys were kind of destined to be in this fight. So this is good we get to actually see this shape up. In the bantam weight division, um, I'm really excited for this one. I'm, I'm, you know, if it goes as planned, this is supposed to be the second fight on the prelims. Um, Randy Costa uh, coming off a loss to Yanez um, and Tony Kelly with a big win over Al uh, Quasi in his last fight. Um, these these two gentlemen are going to throw heavily in this fight. They both don't like to be taken down. Randy Costa, 100% takedown defense. Tony Kelly, 50% takedown defense. Um, at 135 pounds, you're going to see just a scrap. Uh, and someone is going out. Um, Randy Costa has not fought long in his fights he averages four minutes of fight time where tony kelly has gone the distance almost every time uh, almost every time uh being in the ufc tony kelly seven and two and randy costa six and two these are two switch fighters um so it's gonna be haymaker city they're not grapplers uh, but tony kelly can shrug people off he can throw up a submission or two averaging two per 15 minute fights um but Randy Costa over, over his uh career he's had a better defense 62% striking defense um he's taking a lot of shots 6.86 and Tony Kelly is two four point seven seven. neither one of them is that accurate under 50% accuracy striking um for both of these men so I think it's just a scrap someone's going down um, you know, I I remember watching that fight, Randy Costa versus Yanez. Yanez just gave it to him, and then, um, 
the last fight Tony Kelly versus Al Quasi is that dude was like very close to being an uh up and comer. Uh and I still kind of feel like he has, you know, a chance cuz you know, I like how he fights. But Tony Kelly people are sleeping on. Um he's going to win this fight. I really believe he's going to win this fight. And initially I looked at Zohan and thought, okay, yeah, yeah, he's, he's the guy. But then after, you know, jogging my memory, I'm like, no, Tony Kelly, you know, and that fight against Alquazi, that was a statement fight. If I ever seen one, so I like Tony Kelly to win. I don't think this fight goes the distance. Uh, my precise bet is going to be Tony Kelly by KO TKO in round number three. That's what I believe. It's a three-round fight. I believe uh, the Zohan, Randy Casa sticks around. But Tony Kelly's just sharp right now. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with him. I'm going to side with him here. I'm not going to get lost in the sauce, you know, with the cool nickname, the Zohan, with, you know, all the intangibles that go along with uh, Randy Costa. I like him, but uh, Tony Kelly is, is uh, the better pick in this fight. Then we get into the third fight of the prelims. That is Ryan Hall versus Derek Miner. And Miner um, is, is, you know, low-key a legend in the UFC. And Ryan Hall, after that last fight, I was just shocked at, at the, how how bad he lost. So I know he's got to come out stronger. Um, this is a featherweight fight in the men's division. 145 pounds, three-round fight, three rounds. Five minute uh, rounds apiece, and not to take anything away from Ryan Hall because you know I've even heard, you know Joe Rogan, who's like the authority on UFC breaking breakdowns. You know, he's even talked about Ryan Hall and his like leg locks and his knee bars and all these different things he he does when he's rolling. But Derek Minner just Derek Minner man, like he's just classic. Uh, Minner, and he's gonna bring it. And for some reason, I feel like he's gonna win this fight. And we'll go through the stats here, kind of look through where it's, where they're, these two gentlemen shape out. Um, as far as the metrics go, Derek Minner is twenty six and twelve in his uh, fight career, and Ryan Hall's eight and two. American averages about six minutes and 45 seconds of fight time in the octagon every bout and Ryan Hall averages 10 minutes and 31 seconds of fight time when he is in there. Uh, Ryan Hall is a taller fighter, the lankier fighter, uh, only an inch more standing reach. Um, and he's a southpaw uh, boxer standing up. So uh, he's five foot ten. Derek Minner's five foot seven, 69 inch reach. So pretty close. And then Derek Minner's the orthodox uh fighter here strikes landed per minute uh Derek Minner takes the cake there with 2.96 strikes per minute opposed to Ryan Hall 2.30 and Derek Minner's a more accurate fighter by a long shot by a country mile even uh 66 percent accuracy and um Ryan Hall's only got 44 percent accuracy and he uses a lot of feints and a lot of different things to set up his takedowns um and set up his different moves he likes to do and he had a really nice, impressive run. But that last loss really pushed me away from him. And I don't hold anything away from Derek Manor from losing to Darren Elkins, who's just been 
uh, a complete freak of nature. Um, so in this fight, uh, as far as defense goes, uh, Ryan Hall does have the better defense. Very impressive 70% striking defense, only absorbing 1.22 strikes per minute. And Derek Miner only only absorbs 1.63 strikes per minute, which is pretty impressive, but only uh, average coming out to a 40% striking defense. So he's still taking some damage there. Um, and that would explain his lower fight time. Um, and he's had a very tough slate of opponents. Uh, he's, he's never fought cans. He's never fought easy fights. Like Derek Miner's always fought the top guy they can give him. And he averages 3.11 takedowns per minute. He's the better wrestler here. 70% takedown accuracy, 57% takedown defense. Um, Ryan Hall is a 0% takedown defense. He hasn't really been known to be like the Chuck Liddell, just stop you in your tracks type of fighter. He is bigger, but Derek Miner uh, is very technical with his approach. And I like this is going to be a very technical fight. That's my take on this. My hot take. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of tricks, a lot of strikes that are just meant to set up takedowns. I think you see a lot of grappling. I think Dirk Miner, like he wants to make this a close range fight. He wants to, even though he's the better striker standing up, he knows that like waiting around too long with, with Derek, uh, with Ryan Hall isn't going to be the best bet. Like the best bet is for Derek Miner to make it a close fight, make it ugly, make it dirty, take, get some takedowns, score some takedowns, and then work his ground and pound in and just try to get the TKO stoppage. Like that's what Derek Miner needs to do in this fight. What do I think is going to happen? I think it's going to be a slow fight. I think it's going to be a slow pace. I think Derek Miner does get a lot of takedowns. I think he does do a lot of damage. I think Ryan Hall scores some points. I think he goes to decision. And I think Derek Miner wins. That's my belief in this fight, is that Derek Miner wins by decision. Um, it's going to be hard for Ryan Hall to win this fight because Derek Miner's not going to surrender anything easily. And he's just, I feel like he's stronger than Ryan Hall. So we're going to see that play out as well. But uh, my precise pick is Derek Miner by decision. So, so far, I've given you three precise picks. Um, let's stop for a moment, take a breath, and go over those before we cut to a quick break. Um, my first precise pick on the preliminary card is uh, Jillian Robertson by decision. My second precise pick is Tony Kelly by KO slash TKO round three. And my third precise pick, you just heard it, is Derek Miner by decision. And we'll be right back uh, on staying on the prelim card with Aaron Blanchfield versus Miranda Maverick in a flyweight bout at 125 pounds between these two ladies. So I'll be right back after these messages. Thank you for staying with me this far. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. 
so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Sounds good, right? There are a lot of places you can host your podcast. Those other podcast hosting sites love to make you pay, thinking they are doing you a favor. Not at Anchor. Folks, this is free. None of Anchor's competitors make distribution and monetization as seamless as Anchor does. I predict Anchor to be the face of podcasting in the next five years. If you're an experienced podcaster or a newcomer, doesn't make a difference. Get your show on Anchor today. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This next fight, and thanks for holding through the break. There's only one more break, and it, you know, it's short. It's a short little ad. So thank you for sitting through that. Now, this next fight, Miranda Maverick. The Maverick fighting Aaron Blanchfield in the women's flyweight division at 125 pounds. Uh, a lot of people are down on Miranda Maverick. She is the plus 115 near even underdog here. Uh, fighting out of Norfolk, Virginia, where Aaron Blanfield uh, fights out of New York. The Maverick stands at five foot three inches tall, uh, with a sixty-five and a half inch standing reach, where Aaron Blanchfield has a sixty-eight inch standing reach. So he's got a little bit bigger reach there. Now um, the Maverick fights out of the house on Muay Thai. So this fight, the reach won't matter, in my opinion, because she's going to want this to be a close fight. She trains into the house of Muay Thai, for Pete's sake. Um, Blanchfield's very tough on the feet, though. Like, you learned in her last fight that she is, uh, she could be very dominant in the stand-up game. Uh, and we really, you know, it's a small sample size of UFC, but she's 7-1 and one in her fight career, and Miranda Mavericks 11-3. These, these ladies both go... Uh, quite the distance um, and the the height is near the same so as far as the reach goes I see this being a close fight now you know Ma- the Maverick come off her loss against Macy Barber and you can't you can't hold that against her too much she was winning uh, the one of the uh, two fights before that against Robertson and uh, Joe Jula so in a fight where uh, I think it's going to be uh a lot of dirty boxing, a lot of up close and personal, um, a lot of uh, bouncing off the cage, moving around on the ca- uh, moving around on the cage, jostling for position. Uh, it's going to be a lot of striking. Erin uh, Blanchfield, uh, she trains out of that Renzo Bracey Jiu Jitsu uh, Academy, and, and they're they're tough over there. Uh, but I'm not down on the Maverick. Like, uh, the Maverick's 24 years old, hasn't even hit her prime. Aaron Blanchfield, 22. So these these are two uh, these are two women that are fairly young in their careers. Uh, they've stringed some good wins together. Uh, they've showed promise. 
and I think you get a really great fight here. I'm excited for this fight. Um, Aaron Blanchfield lands eight strikes per minute. Miranda Maverick lands 4.77 strikes per minute. Aaron Blanchfield, very accurate, 57% accuracy, stepping in the UFC. And Miranda Maverick has so 43% accuracy. Uh, the Maverick takes less damage, 2.66 strikes absorbed per minute with a 64% striking defense. Aaron Blanchfield, uh, very close, you know, like neck and neck, 2.73 strikes absorbed per minute with a 63% uh, takedown defense. So the, the takedowns kind of get nullified here. Uh, Aaron Blanchfield averages three takedowns per minute. Shows you she's not scared to mix it up. Uh, but neither is Miranda Maverick, who averages 1.71 takedowns per minute with a 80% takedown accuracy. And you really didn't get to see much of that in the Macy Barber fight, but Macy Barber's just on another level right now, so I'm not going to hold it against the Maverick too much in this fight. Um, you know, I'm excited for... Uh, these two women to go out there and compete. I think that the Maverick is in a little bit better position here to win this fight. Um, I think that she's she's got a comeback, uh, and you know inside inside her, and, and this is a good spot for her to kind of put that loss behind her and move on. Uh, Aaron Blanchfield is a very tough opponent. She's only fought once in the UFC, but she did really well in Invicta. Um, so. Uh, I'm going to side with Miranda Maverick here. Uh, precisely by decision. I think it goes the distance. Uh, I just don't feel a uh, knockout or submission is uh, is coming in this fight. I feel like it's definitely a decision. And I feel like Miranda Maverick is going to score enough in this fight to sway the judges her way. Uh, but I like this to definitely go to the judges' scorecards. Because I think they, they pretty much even each other out. So the next fight, we have Andre Munez versus Eric Anders. This is going to be a scrap. Uh, at middleweight, 185 pounds. Both Everybody's weighed in well, except uh, Priscilla and another fight got canceled. But uh, we, we're not talking about it, so it doesn't matter. But this fight, these two guys made weight, no problem. Both Southpaws, Eric Anders, you know he's happy because Alabama's doing well. Um, and in the college football playoff, uh, these guys are the same height, six foot one. Um, Munez has a little bit more reach standing up, but because they're Southpaw, they're both Southpaws, that's nullified. Um, Munez is 21 and 4 in his fight career. Eric Anders is 14 and 5 and with one no contest. But Eric Anders coming off that impressive win over Darren Stewart. Uh, and I'm glad they redid that fight. Because the first time through the illegal uh, knee, uh, that was you know, it was an accident, but the he uh, you know, there the fight couldn't continue. So I was glad they ran it back. And Eric Anders really impressive in that fight. Um and over Darren Stewart, who was really starting to get on a roll, uh, he all you know Darren Stewart as well has has had nothing but tough opponents. Um, kind of same story for Eric Anders, but he's gone out there and got the job done um, against very top level competition. 
And then on the flip side, Andre Munez uh, is on a on a real tear right now. Uh, no one's really talking about it. Um, but since he showed up on Dana White's Contender Series, um, he's been a threat. And he's won twice on the Contender Series. Got his chance in the UFC, gets Antonio Arroyo, beat him by decision, beat Bartos Fabinski uh, by submission, beat Ronaldo Souza by a technical submission and armbar. So he's definitely looking to lock up submissions. Um, and then a lot of his career, I mean a lot of his fights out of those 21 wins, 14 are by submission. That is not going to be easy against Eric Anders, who is just built like a you-know-what brick house. Like, this dude is just stacked, and he's ready for a fight. Um, and he's been in there. He's been in some wars. That last fight, really, he looked impressive to me. I know Andre Munez is on this roll here. Um, but I feel like Eric Anders at this weight class has a lot of power. Now I know he was fighting bigger, you know, at 205, but here at the, at 185, this is a good spot for him. I think that he's going to be very lean in this fight. Four of his five losses came by decision he's never been submitted in the UFC and he's got a submission victory even so I think that going to the ground could be dangerous for Andre Muniz in this fight you gotta put some respect on Eric Anders ground game too he's like a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu or something like that I believe which is like high up there it's pretty good so Takedown average, uh, Munez with a lot of takedowns in a fight, which can really gas you out. 3.12, so it's showing you he wants to mix it up. Um, 40% takedown accuracy, 40% takedown defense. Now, Eric Anders will mix it up as well. Don't forget, he's a hard hitter. You know, he played uh, for Alabama. He he will try to take you down. Um, 1.47 takedown average, so he's definitely going to try a takedown in this fight. Uh, 32% accuracy, but a 76% takedown defense. So, like I said, it could be a disaster for Andre Muniz if he thinks he could just walk out here, take Eric Anders down, lock up up submission, and book his next fight. Like, I hope that's not the game plan. I don't know what the game plan is, but I hope that's not the game plan. Because I'll tell you right now, Eric Anders is heavy-handed. If you think you're going to slide in or throw some feints to come in for a takedown, he's going to catch you. Uh, your boy Eric Gainers is the real deal. Um, I'm not taking anything away from Andre Muniz. He's, he's on a roll. He's impressive. This is going to be a scrap. This is not going to be easy for someone to win. I remember a fight. that cause This fight kind of reminds me of the Eric Anders versus Loyola Machida fight. Now, Eric Anders lost that fight by split decision. And I felt like he won that fight. This fight reminds me a lot like that fight. Um, I think it goes to decision, but I think Anders wins in that split decision type of fashion. Because I just think these guys, not, like, really, their stats, their metrics really nullify each other. Um, Anders has a freaking jaw, so you're, I just don't see Munez putting him out, even though Munez has good hands, sharp hands. 
on the feet. He's averaging 2.16 strikes with 58% accuracy. He's just not putting out enough. Where Anders is throwing, you know, heavy hands and he's throwing 3.2 uh, significant strikes per minute. And he's landing, uh, landing at a 47% clip. He can keep Munez off of him. Um, and I think he can he can win a three-round decision here. I think that's my precise pick. Anders, Eric Anders, to, to win by uh, decision is my precise pick. Um, again, these are, I'm not telling you to bet on these. I give up my best bet at the end of the show. These are just my picks. And uh, giving you a preview of the fight. Uh, which is, this is going to be a good one. This might be fight of the night. Uh, we'll, we'll do fight of the night at the end of the show. Uh, is with the best bet. But yes, this might be fight of the night, folks. Very um, top-down, good-looking card so far. And this fight right here is like, for it to be on the prelim should tell you that the UFC is going all out on this card. This next fight is another slobber knocker with Bruno Silva versus Jordan Wright. Bruno Silva, just a huge favorite, minus 360 favorite here. And Jordan Wright, the plus 280 underdog, fighting out of California. And Bruno Silva's just been rock solid in the UFC. Um, these, you know, these two stand about the same. Jordan Wright has about two inches of height. He's six foot two. And Jordan Wright has about three inches more reach on him, which is he's going to need in this fight because Bruno Silva is just rocking everybody's world. Two fights in UFC, two knockouts against Wellington Truman and Andrew Sanchez. Um, and he is just uh, on a tear in his career. The one thing he's weak against is submission artist, which Jordan Wright, we haven't seen that from. Um, we haven't seen a whole lot of that. He does have five submission victories. Uh but he's not a, a huge wrestler in the UFC. And I think in this fight, this is destined to be a stand-up fight with Jordan Wright averaging 7.13 strikes per minute with a 60% accuracy opposed to Bruno Silva's 5.13 strikes per minute with a 59% accuracy. So this is heavy, two heavy-handed guys. At the middleweight division, 185-pound fight. Um, and it's just... This is one you you want to see this card, but you want to see this fight. Um, strikes absorb per minute. You know Jordan Wright takes a lot of damage. And I just don't see him being able to take that much damage from Bruno Silva. So I'm going with a little bit of an odd pick here. Because that last fight with Jordan Wright really impressed me. Um, when he fought Jamie Pickett, TKO'd him, uh, in the first round back in May. Uh, now Bruno Silva, uh, he's just been lights out his last fight in October. So he's, he's ready for another fight. But, uh, Andrew Sanchez gave him some problems. I think Jordan Wright will give Bruno Silva some problems. And I think, you know, like my belief is Jordan Wright comes out victorious. Uh, I think in the first round, they were feeling each other out. They're trying to get a feel for the fight. Then there's some some heavy exchanges where Jordan Wright could really get in trouble. But he's also got a little bit of reach. He's also very quick. 
So I like his athleticism in this octagon. Um, and I think that we know he's got the five submission victories in his career. So he knows how to lock up submission or br- what Bruno Silva has been weak against. Um, <clears throat> and I, I'm going to go with the submission victory for Jordan Wright as a precise pick. Um, I think it ends in the second round. This is a hard fight to handicap, you know, the, just my precise pick is Jordan Wright's submission second round. I think that he's got all, no, these, both these guys are heavy handed. And if Jordan Wright can just survive a little bit in that first round, uh, when the barrage of punches comes his way, then I think that you'll see him figure out a way to make this dirty and get him on the ground, get it close, dirty boxing and, and then get him to the ground. You're going to have to try a sweep. You're going to have to hit him with something he's not prepared for. And that's where I, I like the Beverly Hills Ninja, Jordan Wright, to kind of surprise everybody um, and come out with a victory here. And this is a fight that both these guys want really bad. And um, no, like, if you sleepwalk into this fight, you're done because both these guys can, can put you out. So, give me Jordan Wright in this one uh, with submission victory uh, by round two. Our next fight, Augusta Sakai versus Toy Taivasa. And Taivasa's just been on complete tear in his last three fights. Uh, Sakai's lost his last two, disappointingly. The 30-year-old Sakai is uh, six foot three inches tall with 77-inch standing reach. Tied to Ivasa, the 28-year-old Australian, uh, he's six foot two inches tall, 75 inch reach. Uh, and he's really the pride of Australia, along with Robert Whitaker. Uh, these two guys in the NBA are completely dominant. Um, these two guys in the UFC are completely dominant, excuse me. I was looking at NBA earlier. Uh, Charlotte Hornets tonight, folks. Charlotte Hornets tonight, plus one and a half. Get it while you can. 16 and 10 at the spread. Let's get it. Tied to Vasa, 4.48 strikes per minute with a 50% accuracy. He absorbs 3.48 strikes with a 51% defense. So he's a big slugger. And so is Sakai, 5.10 strikes per minute with a 48% accuracy. So two heavyweights, two two strike, two big strikers. Um, this is going to be a heavy-handed fight that comes down to just um, constant pressure from Toy Vasa, setting up traps, um, trying to get Sakai to expose himself, and then. Toy Tavasa just has the power to put anybody out in that heavyweight division. I believe he wins this fight late in the fight, third round. I don't think there's any grappling being done. I don't think you have to worry about all that. Uh, Sakai's a 64, 66% takedown defense, and Toy Vasa has a 46% takedown defense. Um, Let's see. Sakai lost to Overeem, lost to Rosenstruck, and... Uh, here comes Tai Tuvasa, who's impressive against Stefan Struve, impressive against Hans Sucker, and very impressive against Greg Hardy. So take it for take it for what it's worth. Uh, these guys are 263 and a half pounds and 264 pounds, respectively. Uh, 
Tied to Vasa, Bam Bam lives up to his name. He's been finishing his last three fights in the first round. Um, I think this fight goes a little bit longer because I think Sakai has uh, the ability to to hang around. Um, but uh, but I'm still feeling a knockout, and I think it's in the third round when these two uh, when when the fatigue really sets in. That's when I'm seeing the knockout happen. Now tied to Avasa there. He's just been dominant in the UFC. I think he's going to be dominant in this fight. And uh, we'll move on to the next fight at Bantamweight between Pedro Munoz uh, versus Dominic Cruz. This is a very tough fight to handicap. Not easy at all. Um, you have Dominic Cruz who's trying to resurge his career and Pedro Munoz who... Uh, is look is looking to put himself over the top. Dominic Cruz, a 36 year old veteran in the UFC, uh, stands at five foot eight inches tall. This fight had 135 pounds in the bantamweight division. Pedro, the young punisher Munoz, stands at five foot six inches tall, fighting with American Top Team. Um, and up against the Dominator here, fighting out of Alliance MMA, this is going to be a, a, a great fight. Pedro Munez took Jose Aldo to a decision. Uh, before that, he beat Jimmy Rivera. Before that, he just took Frankie Edgar and Alderman Sterling to a decision. He beat Cody Garbrandt with a TKO uh, with, a, with a nice bunch of uh, punches to finish the fight. And then he's just been rolling in the UFC. Uh, some some bumps in the road for him, but I, I'm not taking anything away from him. I think he is going to um, win this fight. I think um, he's going to stop Dominic Cruz. Unfortunately, I like Dominic Cruz a lot in, in, uh, as an announcer, but I think Pedro Munoz is going to stop Dominic Cruz in his tracks. <clears throat> Second round, uh, TKO. Um, the one fight I look to is with Dominic Cruz is, um, Henry Cueto and he really started off good in that fight and then he fell apart. And then that Casey Kenny fight where he won the split decision, like that could have went either way. Um, but Pedro Munez is rock solid and like, I don't take anything away from him. He, uh. He averages 5.55 strikes per minute, 43% striking accuracy. Dominic Cruz throws 3.65 strikes per minute with 32% accuracy. Uh, Munoz takes a lot of shots, six shots per minute. Uh, Dominic Cruz takes 2.42 sh- uh, strikes per minute. Uh, Pedro Munoz, 57% defense. Dominic Cruz, 72% defense. Um, but I, this is a different fight for Dominic Cruz and he's had in a, uh, in a while this is a bump way way step up from Casey Kenny and not, not taking away from Casey Kenny but this is a huge step up from Casey Kenny um, very quick um, last time uh, Dominic Cruz fought was in, was in uh, March so he's had a lot of time to prepare for this fight uh, last time Munoz fought was in August and that was a war um, he also fought in February uh, Dominic Cruz is only one fight this year, so Pedro Munoz looking to get his, his third fight in this year right here against Dominic Cruz, and he's looking to go out with a bang. 
Um, and I like uh, him to finish this fight in the second round. I just think he's going to put he's just going to put too much pressure on Cruz. Cruz is not going to be able to keep up with the pressure. Um, this, is, this is a different Dominic Cruz. He's, he's a good fighter, but it's not Dominic Cruz in his prime. This is Pedro Munoz, who I just see a different fighter right now from him, and I, I'm liking what I'm seeing. Uh, so give me Pedro Munoz to win to win that fight, but uh, I think he does in the second round. We'll move on to our next fight. Last fight of the prelims, talking about Josh Emmett <coughs> versus Dan Ige, featherweight fight, 145 pound division, three round fight. Josh Emmett. Minus 165, slight favorite. Danny Gay plus 140, underdog. I really like Danny Gay here. Um, Emmett coming off that knee surgery. Ige coming off a loss. We know Josh Emmett was really strong um, before this fight. But a guy coming back off knee surgery, it's just hard for me to kind of fathom that in my head and kind of be on the side of that. I don't know if I really want to be behind that. Uh, Danny Gay... Still fighting out of uh, Extreme Couture. Very disciplined. Good fighter. Um, he really impressed me against Gavin Tucker. He took uh, Chan Song Wong to a decision. Very tough to do. Um, the Hawaiian uh, native is a beast. He's only 30 years old. Stands at... Three uh, stands at uh, five foot seven inches tall, a little bit taller, an inch taller than Josh Emmett, with an inch more reach at 71 inches of reach. And again, 145 pound fight. Um, Ige lands 3.82 strikes per minute with a 46% striking accuracy. He absorbs 3.41 strikes per minute. On the other side, Josh Emmett. Uh, lands 4.32 strikes per minute with a 39% striking accuracy. So it was a big drop off there uh, because he's probably putting out so much more. He absorbs four strikes per minute with a 63% striking defense. So not bad. He's a well-rounded fighter, averaging 1.43 takedowns uh, per 15-minute fight. While Ige also averages 1.38 takedowns uh, per 15-minute fight. And... Normally the wrestling goes out wrestling goes out the window, but here where two guys are basically the same size, uh, fighting around the same weight, and both orthodox fighting styles. Uh, I just like Danny Gay to kind of take advantage of a little bit of the ring rust here. Um, we know Josh Emmett hasn't fought since June twentieth, twenty twenty against Shane Burgos, where he took him to decision, and uh, Danny Gay. His last fight was just back in June. He's already fought twice this year. It's be his third fight, which is what Dana wa- uh, Dana White wants out of his fighters. He wants three fights, you know, kind of the minimum for for everybody. All the new signings, <clears throat> at least three fights. Some guys want more, but he wants to see at least three. So this would be Danny gets third fights this year. Perfect timing, and Danny gave 50k. I like him in this fight to stop Josh Emmett in the second round. With a knockout. Danny Gay's heavy handed. If you've ever watched him fight. You'll know. Um, it's going to be hard for Josh Emmett. To overcome Danny Gay's power. In this one I think. In my in my humble opinion. So you're getting a lot of value on Danny Gay. Plus 140 underdog. Uh, this ends our prelims. Now the next uh, part of the show. We'll go into the main card. 
and it is a stacked main card. So I'll be right back after these messages. Starting off the main card, unless anything changes, will be Sean O'Malley versus Raleon Paiva. Paiva, the product of Team Alpha Male and Sean O'Malley fighting out of the MMA lab, who really has him tuned up right. And uh, Paiva's 21 and 3 in his MMA career. Sean O'Malley's 14 and 1. Paiva's go has been going pretty long in this fight's 12 minute average fight time and sean o'malley's got uh, almost nine minutes average fight time uh you know we know him as a knockout artist but he has fought in some deep waters o'malley's taller by three inches five foot eleven uh paiva's five foot eight inches tall 135 pound fight in the bantam weight division o'malley has the bigger reach which is really bad for paiva um 72 inch reach Paiva has 69 inch reach O'Malley throws 8.25 strikes per minute landing 62% of those strikes and Paiva with return fire for 4.24 strikes per minute with a 43% accuracy so very different uh, spectrums for striking uh, Paiva absorbs 4.90 strikes per minute so almost 5 strikes a minute uh, in a 15-minute fight, Paiva averages. Sean O'Malley, uh, Sean O'Malley averages 3.59 strikes per minute. His defense is 65%. Paiva's defense is 50% standing up. As far as grappling goes, neither of these fighters average uh, a takedown. It's less than a takedown. Um, but when they do, O'Malley's the more accurate uh, with 50%. And Paiva was 75%. Um, takedown defense. So I believe it's a stand-up fight. Uh, Sean O'Malley's looked good in his uh, last two fights. Uh, knocking out Thomas Almeida in the third round. Knocking out Chris Matijo in the third round. Um, so two knockouts. Uh, Paiva has won his last three. Uh, one against Mark De La Rosa by knockout in the second round in the two uh, against Kyler Phillips, who's very new to the UFC and uh, just coming off Dana White's Contender Series, and Zalgaz Zamagulov, who you may have just seen recently on the last UFC card. So, Paiva's tough out, but O'Malley has the power, and he's kind of already called his shot in the press conference with Cody, Cody Garbrandt. Like, that fight's coming no matter what the outcome is, but I think O'Malley just finishes Paiva early. I think we haven't seen O'Malley in... in quite some time so it feels like we're due for a big knockout he has fought twice this year back in march and then in july but it just feels like it's been a while right so uh five months since his last fight so paiva as well his last fight was in july against kyler so this is a good fight uh for the matchmakers but it's a it's really just for me it's all madly with the knockout in the first round Okay, so in this fight, this is a really good one. Um, Cody, no love Garbrandt fighting Kai. Uh, don't blink Car France. And the New Zealander, Car France, has had an inter- interesting run, to say the least, in the UFC. Um, coming into the UFC, 
And in the UFC alone, he's won five fights while losing two. And the two of his loss were against very good opponents, Brandon Moreno, the champion, and Brandon Roy, uh, Roy Vall. Uh, but he's won his last fight in the first round against Rogario Bontorin uh, by knockout. And he's very experienced, very decorated fighter at 28 years old. And Cody No Love Garbrandt is just a knockout highlight reel walking. Fighting out of Irksville, Ohio, 30 years of age, 5 foot 7 inches tall. And this is going to be in the 135 pound division. Um, you're getting one of the best fights on the card here. These two are going to throw down. There's no other way to go about it. And some people are saying Cody's distracted by Sean O'Malley at the press conference and this and that. Doesn't matter. In this fight, Cody Garbrandt just hits too hard. Um, and Car France, don't blink. I mean, I just don't think he's going to see that type of power coming. And that's where I think you're getting value, you know, with Cody uh, Garbrandt, minus 135 on the money line. Now, both these guys are known to go a little de- bit deeper in the waters. Uh, Garbrandt averages 10 minutes of fight time. Car France, 12 minutes. Garbrandt's bigger. He's four inches taller. Uh, France has a little bit more reach standing up, four inches of standing reach. They're both ortho- orthodox fighters. Um, strikes per minute, Car France 5.2. has a big output, 39% accuracy. Cody Garbrandt, three strikes per minute, 38% accuracy. Uh, Garbrandt takes damage, 4.14 strikes per, uh, absorbed per minute. Where France takes some damage to 3.84 strikes per minute. Uh, but they both have good defenses standing up. And they and they both are good at moving their heads and getting off center line and uh boxing, you know, out of out of trouble. Uh France has sixty-six percent striking defense. Garbrandt has a sixty-one percent striking defense. Garbrandt does average one takedown per fight. Uh Car France under a takedown per fight. When he does, it's twenty-three percent accuracy. Garbrandt with an 83% takedown defense. So I don't think this is much of a uh, a grappling match. I think this is a lot of uh, shots being thrown and Garbrandt landing that finishing shot in the second round. My precise pick, Cody Garbrandt, KO slash TKO in the second round. I just don't think um, Car France is going to see this type of power coming. Last fought, and he's only fought once this year back in March. Garbrandt uh, has only fought once this year back in May. So this is a big fight for both these guys, but I just think Garbrandt's just going to come out swinging heavier and and catch him. That's the way I see that going. We move on to the next fight in the Walter Vate division. We only got three fights left, this and two more. Geoff Neal versus Santiago Pazinbibio. Um, on the main card here, 170-pound division. Three-round fight, hands of steel. Geoff Neal versus the Argentine Dagger Santiago Ponzinibbio. It's a hard fight to handicap for all the cappers out there. Geoff Neal stands at five foot eleven inches tall, and Santiago Ponzinibbio stands at six foot inches tall. Uh, Geoff Neal with a little bit more reach, believe it or not, seventy-five inch standing reach, opposed to Santiago Ponzinibbio. Pazibibio fighting out of the American top team, very good. But Geoff Neal fighting out of Ford, Fortis MMA, who has surprisingly been put some of the best products in the UFC. I keep telling you, pay attention to them. 
Uh, <laughs> like I said, it's a hard fight to handicap. Jalv Neal, two-fight losing streak, but he's only a plus 10 underdog. With a lot of value there. Santiago, Paz, and BBO. Um, the minus 130 slight favorite. Known to be a bit, of, not, not a knock on him. He's just known to be a little bit of a slow starter. Um, and he's in a fight where Jalv Neal uh, is, is probably going to... Uh, Feel, feel it out in the first round and then start to work his game plan and if you look at the losses GF Neal's had Neil Magny no shame in that and it was by decision Stephen Thompson no shame in that it was by decision who'd he beat Mike Perry by TKO a head kick and punches Nico Price Bilal Muhammad who's uh, doing the commentary right now uh, that I really like Frank Camacho, KO head kick, Brian Kamazi submission, rear naked choke, and it goes on. Uh, Geoff Neal is the real deal. Um, he's he's getting Santiago Pazambino, the Argentine dagger, who's coming off a decision win and before that a loss to Jing Lang Lee, who's been doing really well, but. Miguel Baeza uh, took uh, Santiago Pazambino to the distance. And Jing Lee, there's no shame because he lost to Chemaev, who everybody's talking about right now. Um, but this is going to be a close fight. Like, very close. Um, I think it's hard for someone to have a huge advantage in this fight. To me, it's a, like, I think this line moves closer to a pick <coughs> in my opinion. But Geoff Neal averages 4.42 strikes per minute with a 48% accuracy, while Santiago Paz and BBO averages 4.65 strikes per minute with a 40% accuracy. Um, Geoff Neal absorbs 4.68 strikes per minute, 62% striking defense, and Paz and Bino has a good defense as well. 4.38 strikes absorbed per, per minute with a 63% defense. A little bit better. Tad bit better. Not a grappling match, surprisingly. They both are under one takedown. Um, shedding them off easily. Geoff Neal, 87% takedown defense. And Paz and BBO, 60% takedown defense. I think this is just a style fight. Two guys want to stand up there and want to box it out. Circle around the octagon for three rounds. I think that's what you get. Um, and I like Geoff Neal to score more points. If there is a takedown, I'm thinking he scores it. Uh, when the exchanges happen, I'm believing Geoff Neal gets the better of those exchanges. Hands of steel, Geoff Neal. So give me Geoff Neal to bounce back. I don't think he's going to lose three in a row in UFC. 13-4 um, in his career. Pazin BBO is 28-4. Um, this is the Argentinian versus uh, Geoff Neal fighting out of Texas. Great fight. You don't want to miss it on the main card. Uh, which... Leads us into our championship fight. So, Geoff Neal, uh, by decision, is my precise pick. And uh, we are at our championship fight. Our, our last two fights, folks. Here we are at Amanda Nunes versus Julian Pena. This is going to be a good one. Amanda Nunes, a huge minus 900 favorite against a plus 600 challenger. Um, the Linus Amanda Nunes 
one of the best to ever do it, if not the best to do it, taking on Juliana Pena, the Venezuelan fixing. Um, the champ is gonna just pour it on here. I'm feeling a knockout. I think a lot of people are. Um, on Tapology, it looks like 74% of people think Nunez will win by KOTKO. I mean, I do too. I think in round two, this is over. I think the first round, Pena can kind of stretch her legs a little bit, kind of move around and kind of feel it out. And then the lioness is going to pounce. And she stands a little bit taller than Pena, five foot eight. Pena's five foot six. And the reach is the same. But Amanda Nunez is just no joke. And this bantamweight fight at 135 pound division is over quick. Um, she is not, I don't think Amanda Nunez waits a long time to get started. She's always been pretty quick about getting the fight going. She is not a slow starter. Under 10 minutes of average fight time. 21 and 4 in her career. Pena's 11 and 4. Uh, Nunez is landing 4.50 strikes per minute with a 51% accuracy. She's absorbing only 2.45 strikes per minute with a 57% defense. On the flip side, there's not a lot of output from Pena. 2.80 strikes per minute with a 47% accuracy. She's absorbing 1.70 strikes per minute with a 53% defense. She, uh, P- Juliana Pena averages 2.49 takedowns uh, in a 15-minute fight, where Amanda Nunes does a little bit more by like a hair, a rabbit's hair, with 2.50. Both 53% takedown accuracy, um, which, which speaks volumes for these two ladies in this division. Amanda Nunez is 84% accuracy uh, defending takedowns. So Juliana Pena is not going to get her down. Um, and even with the trip, Nunez is going to roll her off. Um, the only thing that Pena has is that uh, Juliana, uh, Amanda Nunez for this fight is dropping down from 145. Um, so that's where you know people are seeing some value but i assure you that when amanda nunez cuts weight she's bringing the power with her so give me amanda nunez ko slash tko round two precise pick for that fight i think she just pretty much cleans that one up uh, pretty quick but uh we're all hoping for a good fight there i know then we're on to the last fight folks we're here at the last fight not even been an hour yet we're basically reaching the hour and that's exactly what i wanted to do hit it in an hour uh, on the on the mark so charles olivier versus dustin poirier this is the fight to see um this should be the fight of the night um because i don't think that poirier is gonna walk out there and just scorch them i don't think that uh Olivier is going to walk out there and just do something out of his element. I'm not feeling it. I'm not, I'm not seeing that. I think that these two stick to their guns. They stick to their game plans. Charles Olivier, 31 and eight in his career. Dustin Poirier, 28 and six in his career. And the diamond Dustin Poirier, five foot, nine inches tall uh, at 155 pounds. And this 
five minute, five round fight for the UFC lightweight championship is going to be a slobber knocker. Don't get it twisted. Um, Dustin Poirier, 28 and 6. Uh, he's earned every win, and so is Charles Olivier, 31 and 8. Charles Olivier, a little bit of a slow starter, so is Dustin Poirier in their fights. Um, that's where you see Conor McGregor have a lot of success, was right in the beginning. And all the fights Conor McGregor fought Poirier was in the beginning where he had success. Then that, you know, whatever happened, happened after that. But it's just that's the point. People have an advantage early on against uh, Poirier. Olivier, same thing. Um, you really seen it in the Michael Chandler fight. Like in the first round, Michael Chandler won that round. No problem. Almost pulled Olivier out. Then in the second round, Chandler gassed himself out. And uh, Michael Chandler ended up losing. And Olivier was just able to pretty much finish him. You know, the ref, you know, jump in there and stopped it. But the point is that they're both start off a little bit slow. So that's why I think this fight takes a little bit to get going. But then I think when it's going, it's like on. And I think these two are going to go like they're going to match strike for strike for a while. But I think when fatigue sets in, I'm liking the diamond a little bit more. I feel like he's ready to shed this Conor McGregor thing and move on. And I think Olivier is um, like one wrong move, one wrong step from being TKO'd or KO'd himself. And I think Poirier, uh, the diamond, uh, Dustin Poirier, has the power to finish him. So I'm going out on a limb here to say Poirier wins by KO slash TKO in round number three. Poirier is the favorite, the minus 150 slight favorite. Olivier is plus 125 underdog. Uh, but 81% of the communities on Dustin Poirier here at Tapology for uh, KOTKL. Now, not even gambling related, just picking. But I'm going to go with Dustin Poirier to, to just kind of lull him to sleep and then strike viciously and, and secure the win here. Um, Poirier's been against the top competition. You know, he had, he's had his struggles. Uh, he's, you know, like I said, he's 28 and 6. And so is Olivier. They both had their struggles. But Poirier, the southpaw, about the same height. Olivier is 5'10. Poirier, 5'9. Uh, Olivier is a little bit more reach. Not much. Not not enough to make too much of a difference. Uh, but when they find it a range, um, it'll help Olivier. But it also hurts him if he leaves himself extended too long in the later rounds. So it all it like helps and hurts. Helps early on. It's going to hurt him later on if he leaves himself extended. Because Poirier will close the distance and hurt you. Uh, Poirier aver- averages 5.62 strikes per minute. Opposed to Olivier, who averages 3.26 strikes per minute. So Poirier getting near 6 strikes per minute at 50% accuracy. While Olivier is accurate, 52% accuracy. But not the same output. And early on, uh, that's going to be a little bit of a, de- a decider. Is who's going to want to push the pace and who's going to be... Be, who's who's being pushed and who's pushing the pace so strikes absorbed per minute Poirier takes damage 4.19 strikes per minute Olivier uh, he has he's taking 3 strikes per minute but they both have pretty good stand up defense enough to get out of the way of trouble enough to keep this fight entertaining um, and I think 
with the takedown situation, Olivier is not going to try takedown unless Dustin's tired. But that could be on in in like something that happens. But they're both talented on the ground. Like they're both very skilled on the ground. They're both very skilled at, gra- at grappling, and they're both very skilled at um, uh, jujitsu. So be careful. Uh, thinking that Olivier could just lock up submission here, it's not going to be easy. I'm rolling with the diamond to close out the show, and then I'm going to give you my best bet here to round things out. Uh, my best bet for this card is a parlay: Sean O'Malley minus three fifteen against Raleigh and Paiva, so Sean O'Malley's money line, parlayed with Cody Garbrandt's money line, minus 135 odds against Kai Car France. That is going to bring you back uh, plus 127 odds. Can't beat it. Um, it's going to be two great fights as well. So, you're definitely going to want to see this whole car top to bottom by the pay-per-view. And, ladies and gentlemen, just like the hands of time, I'm turning it over to you. Good night, everyone.